The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the winemakers. <laughs> and there you go. There it is. Today, that is Bart Hansen doing our pour. Much <laughs> better than myself. <laughs> the, the first pour is usually ends up being kind of, kind of tall. Well, that's right. okay. It's kind of a, it's that's kind of a the sandy. way I like them. Right. You know? So I'm, I'm John Myers. I'm sitting across from Bart Hansen. As always, Casey Graybell, our guest today, bringing in some spectacular Grenache. And, of course, as always, Brian Casey at the end of the table, bringing it up as, as our number one guy for tasting great wine. Say, so thanks for listening. Um, I was very happy to see that we've hit that 10,000 mark. And, nice. and really, you know, as we're rolling into the holidays, man, we've got a lot of people. We just got a... We did actually... You got 10, a nice 000, note. Yeah. 10,000, really? Yeah. Oh. And um, got a nice note back from somebody who had said that they were looking back on how eerie it was going back over the six months. Yeah. Because we were really rolling into the perfect year. I mean... Everything was fine. And well, then, and then, what and then he we said had was, these goddamn fires. Yeah, and, then, and what he said was is that I, we, we had referenced the fire from 96. Six, yes, because um, that's the one that stopped right behind Sam's house. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I, I, I still remember it, standing out in the vineyard, looking up on the top of the hill, going, uh-oh, there's the a little fire up there. What's going on here? Um, so it is interesting that um, after a couple episodes later, we were in the middle of it. Um, so, yeah. But strange stuff. Strange, strange Look stuff. Look at John but, heading know. straight for the... We, we have... <laughs> Casey brought a, a rosé, a Grenache Blanc, and two Grenaches. So Bart and I both poured rosé. And what does John do? He goes right for the red. Is and, it wrong? You're not... You're never wrong. And the John. biggest John, we, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> John, we've always said, you know, there's no rules. It's, you know, there, there's no rules. There really aren't. I'm, I'm finding that um, there are wines that I, you know, definitely like more. Um, you know, I've got friends down in Florida. This guy's in love with his Zen. And I'm so tired of Zen being here and working with the Zen people. I'm, yeah. Oh, that hurts. I know. <laughs> but hurts see, so I know. But see, it's. Wasn't it just Zen day yesterday? It, it was. was. Yeah. It was. Um, but the Grenache is more to my taste. And I think it's really because of burnout working with Zap. Um, the Zinvendel advocates and producers, and you know, having so many people on the radio and just drinking only Zin. Well, I so, mean, we could get into a whole commentary about the styles of Zinfandel, right? Or, or John's you know. experience with his hot summer days and high alcohol Zinfandels. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, riding my bike home from Zap. You know, uh, there's a there's stories, a million stories for Zinfandel and its faults, but yeah. when you find a really good one, right, that's hang on to it, right? You know, well, and hopefully they keep making it. That yours way. are beautiful. Right. Yeah, but I've made some over-the-top, blown-out, you know, Zinfandels that I, I was very proud of them and drank them at the time, but reflecting on them, there's things that I try to do a little differently now. I used to like that peppery style, 
You know, that's what I looked for. Yeah, yeah me too. And peppery and I, I wanted, spice. I wanted a lot of um, real, some good backbone in there. You know, I want to taste the tannins on his end. I want to taste the acidity. Um, you know, I mean, if it's going to be a good bold zen, that's where you're going. So. But, hey, well, Casey, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, well, this is... this is. <laughs> well, Kay, Casey's a small producer. Can I read something? Please do. And he, I mean, we're talking small production. Can, let me read something off of, his, um, off of his website, and then we can ask him some questions. Um, but this is from him. We do it all here, my wife and I. We pick the fruit. We drive the trucks. We man the distemmer. We fill the barrels. We also make the labels. We design the web page. I write the pamphlets. We answer the emails, phones, and sales calls. There is no part of these wines in this wine company that we do not touch. And I hope it shows. Because if you don't love what you do, why bother doing it? So that's why I thought it would be cool to have Casey on. Now you're talking about super small production, hands-on winemaking. Yeah. Yeah. You know, man after my own heart. And only Grenache. So So... Casey, thanks, thanks for coming on. And tell why Grenache? What, what is it about Grenache that you decided that was the only thing you were going to do? And, and actually, I want to go farther than that. Casey, tell us when it started with only Grenache, because to my memory, you were the, one of the first people that I remember making Grenache uh, well, from the valley. Well, I started, I cut my teeth down in Santa Barbara County in Santa Maria. Uh, in nice t- spot. In 2000, uh, I went to Cal Poly, uh, and I was living down Only in for s- one year? <laughs> Only for one year. I finished in one year. No, it was two years. <laughs> My parents cut me off at the, after that. But uh, at the time, it was... That happened. Pinot was king, you know, and it was maybe two Boring. years. Right? Well, I still... Who doesn't love Pinot? It has its place. And uh, Brian, you keep shaking your head. I, I like Pinot. What? What's I'm, not to like? I'm shaking my head up and down. Yeah, Pinot's good. Yeah. But uh, I just was drawn to the Rhones, and, and I can't really explain where that started, why it started, but I have to think that it was Pinot Overload, because that's all we were doing. Um, and so I started tasting some of these, both, both Southern Rhones and some of the Grenaches that were then just starting to come out of northern Santa Barbara County, out of Ballard Canyon, and some other really nice spots. Right. Um, and I really liked them. I liked the tannin. I liked that they were still soft and, and, and quite drinkable as, as a Pinot, but there was some structure. Um, I liked the idea of whole cluster that, yeah. that you couldn't taste the stimminess, but it, it definitely built structure into them. And I just gravitated toward them. Luckily, I was able, when I graduated from college, I was able to go visit southern France, and, and that was it. Um, spending a couple weeks in Vaucluse. Uh, <laughs> that does it for most people. Absolutely. Seriously. John Absolutely. has a, a secret love affair there. in uh, Vaucluse because yeah. he is a huge supporter of Chon Bleu. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Who have that, and that's that's where it is, John. When when you were up there, you're in that in that really nice region. That's yeah. one of the nicest yeah. little spots I've ever been. I, yeah. That that trip, I spent a, a month in Vaucluse, and like I said, that was it. Um, I was, I'm, I like hundred percent Grenaches. I always find it a little strange that even in that region, they'll throw in 5% Syrah or a little Sinsol. I, I, yeah. I just don't quite get it. I think they can stand by themselves, but you know, that's their tradition. Um, so I always dreamed of, Hey, when I'm able to have my own wine label, all I want to do is Grenache. I want to plant my flag in that grape and that's all I'm going to do. Um, and it took some time. I, I worked for other people making many other wines, uh, Rhone's usually not being one of them, but uh, was able to play small batch stuff in our garage, in our barn, um, until I had the opportunity to go commercial. Um, when you're I, saying small batch, what are you talking? 
we're talking a ton, two tons usually. Um, we're still kind of in there because I like to do several different uh, so what's vineyards. What's your caseload out of that? Uh, we're usually fifty, maybe sixty, because uh, I run the facility, so we can keep our our uh, losses pretty darn low. So we're we're in the fifty-five. What happened? To 60. To, what happened to Sam's home use category on what? the on the spreadsheet? <laughs> For, oh, if you're doing uh, well, Sam. Yeah, Sam always puts a chunk over there. It's you know, it's the wine you're going to drink. Sure, that's right. It. Yeah, well, right. it's the samples, samples. Right. But when you say in making wine in your garage, this was not commercial. This no, was no, no, no. But but I think this is interesting because I actually have friends who do this. That I mean, and they have old presses, like old. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm not talking about a bladder. I'm talking about a thing that you're screwing down that looks like a barrel with a screw. So you're actually using like carboys and, or are you getting barrels? No, we were a little more advanced than that. Um, okay. At the time I was working at a, a fairly large, what they call themselves a medium sized family winery in, in Napa on, on highway 29. So I had okay. things available to me. I wasn't yet. We weren't quite that home make home. Right. Wine you know, maker. you know, because when I was home winemaking, the one thing we always commented is that we had some nice tools to use when we were home winemaking, but you never had a forklift at your house. It's very true. <laughs> <laughs> so how and do you lift what you the, really wanted was a forklift. How do you carry the barrels around? By hand. No, oh, you, you'd God. empty them and move them to where they needed to be and then fill them back yeah. up. I was living in a house in St. Helena and we had a basement dump, at this time. Fill, <laughs> dump, fill, dump. Well, you make fill. sure when they're full, they're, they're where they need to be for a while, Absolutely, right? <laughs> absolutely. Uh, okay. We had a basement, so we were actually gravity fed, and so we told everybody, "Oh, we're strictly gravity fed." <laughs> oh, that's Why cool. Not? Nice, but uh, <laughs> there are some places that are. It's very true. We were one of them. No. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was in the late two thousands when we started playing around with that, and we actually I still have some of those wines, and and they aged very well. It was a great learning experience. Um, and and what do you do with those wines? I mean, you, are you giving them away as gifts? Or are you selling them to friends? Are they they're buying cases from you? Yes, because they're, they're obviously they're not TTB labeled or or anything like that, right? Correct. You're, um, you're not selling them to friends, but friends may donate, you know, donate, or they may <laughs> buy the cardboard box and it might be full of wine. Yeah. Okay, because you cannot. Sell wine. Oh, I'm you sorry. Don't have a right. Okay. <laughs> I would usually do kind of like a, a. Did you hear that, Brian? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I heard that. <laughs> Did everyone out there sh- hear that? We do like a sharing kind of situation where, hey, pitch in a hundred bucks and and we'll split you off a couple cases. Right. Um, and we did that for three years, me and my wife, at, and uh, every year we'd have more people pitching in. So our fruit production got a little lo- larger. Um, but then we moved, so I wasn't able to do that for a few years. And, and 2013 was the first year that we went uh, full-time uh, okay. commercial. What, did you lose the basement when you moved? We did. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, there's your stash right yeah. there. They don't have basements in California. Uh, there's not it's, too many places. It's really, no. really I mean, rare, and yeah, I wish I had one. Usually man. it was probably an older house. It was an old probably, house. You know, uh, early 1900s. And yeah, we were up in uh, Glass Mountain, and it was uh, built in 1912. Yeah, see, if I, had, if I had one, I'd have a studio and all the instruments, and I'd also have a huge slot car track. <laughs> so, I mean, it'd, that'd be my playroom. Right. Just like Chicago, baby. Yeah, all the old, you know, I grew up in Petaluma, and all the old dairy farms, um, the main house that was always built about that era, always had a basement. And huh. I think, That's you know, I it, kept it. And, yeah, and it may not have been much of a basement, but it was a basement because that's what, what the tradition was, right? Like and it usually had, a, uh, usually had a kitchen down there, a secondary kitchen oh, wow. for parties and stuff. Huh. So at that point, who, how, how are you getting 
grapes. So you're working for, are you working for Cake Bread at that point? I was at Cake Bread. Uh, my roommate had a old F-250 and I'd borrow a couple bins from Cake Bed over the night. And so then you wouldn't see me sneak off God, with them and I'd bring them so back. familiar. <laughs> and uh, I'd drive out to wherever the fruit was. Uh, we were this buying awesome. some um, McDowell Valley Grenache and some Carignan from Russian River, a couple some Syrah from Windsor Oaks. So. And, and let's face it, because at the time there wasn't any probably Grenache wasn't a lot to speak of in Sonoma Valley, not that much in Sonoma County, unless it was, you know, owned by a winery. So, yeah. And look what we have and, now. And man. that, and that uh, Mendocino County Grenache was coveted yeah. and it, probably still is. It's still hard to find. I mean, I really have to scour. Um, I, I take that back. It's hard to find vineyards that I want to buy fruit from. There is right. Grenache out there, um, but the style that I like making, uh, it's pretty hard to find. Yeah. I'm As I've evolved in my taste, even though I came up in... Southern, northern Santa Barbara County. I've kind of found myself. I don't like those wines much. I don't like the cold weather Grenaches. Um, mm-hmm. I personally feel like Vaucluse is hot, mm-hmm. um, and those are the kind of wines that I like. And so, uh, although I, I there's amazing winemakers down there making amazing wines, it's not really in, in my wheelhouse. So, so, I, hmm. so I'm curious of your opinion on this because you know there's some Grenache here in Sonoma that's closer down by the bay and. Uh, which I would consider cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, so, and I don't have the experience of Santa Barbara. All the Grenache down there, it is primarily all cooler climate. It's not. It's usually in the warmer parts in the, the interior cool of Santa Barbara County, but yeah, it's still cool get inside, away yeah. from yeah. the coast. Because yeah. I can't think of anywhere in in Chateauneuf or around southern France where it's cool weather. Grenache. Right. Right. So maybe higher elevation up on the Montremals, but even that's hot. I mean, yeah, it's a I mean, little it's cooler. just more uh, di- diurnals, di- higher di- diurnals. Right. But Sorry. that's why you're planting Grenache. I can't say it. Don't ask me what you, it is. No, you're, you're playing weatherman now, and I, I don't know. So, but when you have hot weather, I mean, that's why you're probably planting Grenaches because it can handle the heat, right? Correct. Okay. Yes. So yeah, it doesn't make sense to really have it in a cool region unless that's something you want to experiment with or. Yeah, but or if it makes a really good positive change in it, too. Right. right. And they're right. being commercially successful, and they are making good wines, but that's just not really my style. Right. So um, I, I last year made a uh, Alder Springs, which is way up in Mendocino County, yeah. and that's a colder weather vineyard. Um, and it was very pretty, but it's very delicate, and it, it's right. kind of not the way that I wanted to go. So we only made that one year. Um, and, hmm. and amazing vineyard, and Stuart is an amazing grower, but it's just not where we are. When I worked for the Benzigers, we used to get, when you were there, Brian, we used to get a lot of Alder Springs fruit. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I hate to say this, but we could never make what was we considered at the time good wine out of it. Mm-hmm. So they kind of cut it loose. But I don't think they ever really looked at making wine from that area as opposed to just making the wine while we, how we made wine in Sonoma. Right, you know. Well, a little more finesse, you mean, or like the wines were a little leaner, a little uh, uh, racier. You're not talking about full fruit. You're not talking about full ripening. What is it that's different about that region? They just don't have that the, the phenolics. They're very they're light uh, wines. They're light both in color and in flavor. Uh, lots of red raspberry. I mean, they're, they're pretty. And, and, and so you have to work them accordingly. And I think when we were getting the fruit at Benziger, and I, you know, I'm probably out of school talking about this, but I just don't think we worked them the right way. I, right. I think we worked them like we would work something, you know, in a warm weather climate. And right. So therefore, they just never showed well. That's all. They weren't bad right. wines. No. They just were never not well, not to what, the point of how all the springs is now. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the idea. Well, what are we drinking right now? This is the rosé from. Uh, 
That's our 2016 Grenache Rosé. Uh, that's some bleed that we take off. Uh, we made about 100 cases of that, and that's really one of our best sellers. We probably God, we sold out of that in three months. I was just listening it's to really um, the wine enthusiast. They did uh, the top 100 um, best buys of 2017, and... and they were amazed at how many rosés were on the list. They said, I think they had 22,000 entries um, for Best Buys and ended up with five of the 100 were rosé, which doesn't seem like a lot, but they said um, it, more and more every year now that, that it's almost reaching a part of uh, uh, saturation point um, here in California, which I don't think there is a saturation. I'm a huge rosé fan, so... Right. Um, I say bring it on, but yeah, this is really pretty. And this is from, what vineyard are you getting this out of? This is mostly from Mathis. Uh, this is Sonoma okay. Valley. Uh, and we've, we've been making more and more of it. Uh, it's one of my favorites, too. Uh, we put lots of acid in there because I, I, I like to, to sip on it when you're in hot weather. It's like, a, it's like right. drinking a beer on your porch, only it's a really nice Grenache Rosé. Right. Right. Um, and that's kind of how we make it. So uh, it, our 17 is in tank right now. We're going to bottle it December 6th and hopefully sell out of it by January 6th. <laughs> right. <laughs> and how did you meet Peter Mathis? How did you get, because I know Peter is sort of, um, um, he kind of likes his fruit, and I don't know many people that have gotten into his vineyard. So how did you get your foot in there? I begged. I begged. Lucky. Okay. And I begged. But I he's begged. a nice guy, too. He, he is. He really is. It took, a, it took several years of me kind of, ba- every time I saw him, I think, can I buy some fruit? Um, and he knew my project because I was making some other Grenaches, and I, I think he was intrigued by it. Um, and the first year he sold me a ton, and then he sold me two, and now he sells me three. And um, oh, I, I hit him up one time, just ran into him casually. He said, you know, you ever have anything left over? And he goes, well, you know, there's someone in front of you. And, you know, and I go, well, you know, if it ever happens, don't be afraid to call. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, well, I, I can tell you, if the girl in the fig ever burned down, he might actually oh, sell man. you some Grenache. <laughs> that would be. I think he took his eye off the Grenache too when he started doing the Uber blend. Yeah, well, and maybe that's how you kind of got in there a little. No, bit. No, because that was before, or maybe it was the same year. Uh, I think. I hope that he was intrigued by my project. That it was it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's always you know nice to have someone making wine from your vineyard and especially if you respect the wine that they're making from it. Yeah, he did. So, I, you he know. does like to take bottles from me and, and use them as, as a benchmark, a, you know, data point. Yeah. Um, we definitely make wines in a very different style. Uh, mm. I, it's pretty funny. I'm picking my fruit when he picks his fruit for rosé. So yeah. his, his fruit will hang out right. another month. <laughs> yeah, right. So he, the first couple of years he looked at me like, are you sure? Um, and now he now he knows what I'm doing. So yeah, I mean it's interesting because what I've been learning listening to people about Grenache is there are people that really feel that it has to sit out there until the skin tannins have turned. Yeah, and then there's other people that won't seem to want to catch the freshness of the fruit. And I haven't tasted yours recently, but um, to my memory, that was a little more uh, in your style. Would that be correct? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, but Peter's site is is quite unique in my opinion because it's so tannic for a Grenache. I mean, Grenache kind of lends itself to being tannic anyways, but his site is especially tannic and it's his clone. He has a small berry clone. Um, and so it, it, it took a little while to, to kind of figure it out. How big is this vineyard? Do you have any idea? Like seven acreage? Acres. So it's seven acres. Yeah. And it's, it's got to be more than just Grenache because he, he has a little petite Syrah. Correct. Um, I don't know what it's else. In he has. A, Carignan. It's so in it's a beautiful Carignan. spot. Okay. Um, also, um, 
Is that Sam? Calling? It was not. He can't. Oh, okay. he, he's. I'm just uh, getting texts. He's in the middle of a sales meeting. Which we didn't mention that Sam is. On, what do we say? Well, on assignment. Sam is on assignment in <laughs> um, New York City. You know what? Well, I think he's come on. he's following Dead and Company and <laughs> right. and, and, and managing to sell a little wine along the way. That and sounds like I think a good it's gig. probably what he's doing. And he's having a good time. Mm-hmm. And and other than that, it was uh, just cutting updates for the concerts that have been okay. Good. So he might be calling in at he, some point. He can't do it today. So okay. So he's, me he's off. high as fuck. That's right okay. <laughs> what can I say? I did too get high in, to call. I did get in the. It's in only the, three in the afternoon. <laughs> that's right. You yeah, know that's the deal. You know Sam set this up, dude. Sammy. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, I just got into the Benziger. 71 was this sin? Yeah, you didn't even look, John. No, I did. 04. Beautiful. Wow. God, does this hold up, man? It does it. I haven't tasted it yet. So that was, um, uh, I brought that because I didn't open it last night for Nationals Infidel Day. But um, Were you celebrating <laughs> at some point? No, I just didn't get around oh, okay. to opening the bottle of wine. <laughs> I was wondering I was, if you were... I was, actually, I was drinking a bottle of Grenache. And okay. never got to that. <laughs> um, but that was the first wine that I made at Benziger um, they let me do it start to finish. Really? Oh, yeah. no shit. So yeah. that's... That's wow. that's the perfect one then. Yeah. Well, so. it's, uh, that's probably, the one I tried earlier? We'll see how it tastes. No, it's, oh, it's tasting beautiful. good. That's, yeah. that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Don't, don't get me wrong. Joe Benziger was on my shoulder the whole time <laughs> questioning any decision that I wanted to do. And then... You know, who in knows between doing, uh, rounds of golf and shots of tequila, right? And who knows what he was doing <laughs> when a good I wasn't there, right? <laughs> Either take the glory, or if it's bad, you <laughs> shed when, the blame. When did uh, Joey start to move over to imagery exclusively? Because it, make, well, it so, makes a difference. Well, I, I mean, what happened, at least in my experience, was um, when I started in 1998, Mike Benziger had come back into the wine production fold. Mike was really out as the you know head of the family, selling wine and being the face of the family, and that was right when they turned to biodynamics and he came back into the winemaking fold. He was going to have, and so at that point they kind of divided up responsibilities, and uh, Mike had all of the biodynamic and estate wines. Uh, Joe took over imagery, which is what he kind of it was his brainstorm to start it. And then the Sonoma County wines, which were, you know, the, the ones you see out in the broad market, those were made by Terry Nolan. And so that's how that started. And so that would have been about 98, to answer your question. Well, they just knocked me out. I mean, I, I met them before I met uh, the Benziger um, line, basically, right. and started drinking imagery right as we came out here. Well, we were in Glen Ellen. It was easy. I'd take the dog over, let her run around in, yeah. in the front yard and well. drink imagery all day. So, well, Bart, how does that happen? Do they, so did they, do they let you, like, where does it start? Do they let well, you so, call the pick, or do they bring the fruit in and say, okay, you're going to make the decisions? Uh, you know, I mean, theoretically, when it all started is that they gave us all a wine to be responsible for, not all of us, but a couple of us. And so I got out to see the vineyard a couple times, but we were busy at the winery, and it wasn't like I was going to drive, you know, go out for the day with Mark and look at vineyards. And so I would get up there. It was here in town. Um, up by uh, Los Chamazal, and mm-hmm. I'd get out there on my own and kind of take a look at it and stuff. But as far as the pick, um, it was kind of predetermined by uh, that end of it. Um, but once the grapes came in, you know, I had to have a winemaking plan, what I wanted to do, and it was okayed and discussed, and 
uh, you know, the numbers would come in and I would make the decision if it needed, you know, any additions mm. and uh, how often I wanted to punch it down. Did I want to do it natural? Did I add yeast, et cetera, et cetera, et right. cetera. Did and and like I say, I mean, and, you know, they were all tasting it and commenting. It was very much a team thing, but. Right. How nice to have them looking over your shoulder on your first oh, project. Absolutely. Though. I mean, yeah. you really want that. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, it's one of those things. I actually, I think Sam has said it before. I, I would have loved to have made the call on the pick. Um, but it's by not doing it, you always have something to fall back on someone else's <laughs> decision. I, I didn't call the pick, man. <laughs> Did they give you like target numbers that they wanted it, or was that part trust, of your pick I, plan? I, mean, I, I trust me. I I I'd worked there for a number of years at that point. You I knew what, I knew what 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 the, the house style was. Sure. You know, right? We, we picked things pretty ripe, and it was Zinfandel. And you know, I I, I had my own feelings about Zinfandel, and um, so you know. Well, I mean, that, I run it, as someone who runs a facility, I mean, that actually sounds like a, a great way to keep your staff motivated. Oh, I mean, it absolutely was. I mean, it was my wine, you yeah. know, and, um, and not to say that I wasn't second-guessed and questioned and, um, you know, and, and, and there were, t- you know, I'm sure there was something on one of them that I folded on, you know, and said, yeah, you're right, you're right, you know. Sure. I mean, I, I would have been very pragmatic, you know, waiting for it to go dry on skins at that time in my career. Um, and I was probably pushed to get it off a little bit earlier because a tank was needed. Sure. And, you know, we were, you, you know how that <laughs> yeah, goes. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Can the free people just move over for a while? We need this tank. Yeah. And, what, and so when this is finally goes into bottle and this stuff, and you have some bottles of your own, are you, are you going to your friends and passing this stuff out and saying, this is my first wine is the one I, um, I mean, are you proud of this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't okay. be, man. It's, yeah, it's I, beautiful. I, I are you some, kidding? I'd be signing them. Yeah. I mean, I got some wine. It's funny. Can I get my name on there? Right. <laughs> because there was actually in, let me think about 98, in 1999, they kind of started this program that they were going to do this. And um, no, it must have been later than that. But when we bottled the imagery organ Pinot Gris, it was a dry Pinot Gris from the vineyard that we owned in Oregon, huh. right? When it came out, the labels came in to bottle it, and I was going through the labels as I do. And on the back, it was I was named as co-winemaker with Joe Benziger. And nice. I, it was never discussed. I had nothing to do with making the wine. It was just trying to sh- throw you a little spiff, you know? Right. And it was wow. cool. But it worked. But I had no emotional connection to it. I was right. like, Oregon Pinot Gris? Right. You know? <laughs> I only drink Sauvignon Blanc. Right. <laughs> well, I'm kind of curious. What was, like, the lot size? Are we talking, like, a 20-ton fermenter? Or are you talking... No, this was a, a five-ton fermenter. Okay. Yeah. Because, I mean, we... we my day job, we, we make large scale Cabernet. Yeah. So I'm like, how could I get my crew involved? I'm like, here's a 40 ton tank, you know, take it and run with it. Well, I mean, I, I don't know, you know, right. I mean, a 40 ton tank of, I mean, you're there to make sure they make good wine, but if you can have them make the discussions on what they think it is, get them around the fermenter every day, tasting it and commenting about it, sure. that's huge. Yeah. I mean, does it change every day? That's Bart? a classroom. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Every day you can taste it, yeah. a difference. Yeah. Sometimes uh, throughout the day, you know, when it gets to the end there, especially if it's been on skins for a while, I, at least I feel that way. I think so. And see, and, and that's just, that's even in the, in the wine making process. I remember working in the tasting room, tasting the wines every day. If, if John, I gave you five cases of the same wine and I said, okay, you're going to spend a year and you're going to taste a half a glass every day of this wine. And I want you to take notes on it. Every day you'd have different notes. And it, it would be depending on, because the, the wine is maturing, it's, it's evolving. But also we'd notice in the tasting room, 
temperature differences. If it was cold that day, we would open up the wine and go, oh, this tastes different than it did yesterday when it was 10 degrees warmer. Um, that, it's a living thing. So you get, you oh, get you're all right. these different changes Living in those and wines. And breathing every yeah. day. And, and just one more thing about getting your crew involved. At Benziger, you know, most of our st- uh, staff working the grapes every day were Hispanic. And they liked wine, but they didn't really have an emotional connection to it. Right. And I always wanted them to have an emotional connection to it. Right. Um, at Kenwood, when I worked there, we were a bunch of white guys and a, and a couple of Hispanic guys, and those guys loved wine. And it was because we as a group drank wine, and we discussed it, we were social that way. And I think that we made really soulful wines because of that connection. And um, so that would be my reason to use, you know, the more the guys care about it, sure. you know, the more, the more they're... I'm in, in, in the latter of- point where, like, I think if we made beer, I'd have a lot more people involved in Absol- it. <laughs> Absolutely you would, right? Right. I mean, you know. Well, that has just grown. Wasn't that the original idea behind imagery? Was yeah, it was going to be um, a custom beer place? Well, no, it wasn't a custom beer place. It was called... Craft was, Brew? No, well, it, it, they were going after Sierra Nevada at the time, and it was um, Tim Wallace's master's thesis at Brown... No, at Harvard. Uh, graduated Brown and Harvard, yeah, thank you. Harvard. and <laughs> um And the thing about it was... Is, <laughs> I love Tim. The thing that was so interesting is that they were only going to make... German lager style beers and that was right when ales were really coming into popularity niche market and 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 it was a huge brewery it wasn't like going to one of these little neighborhood you know micro brews i mean these were they had 12 5000 gallon tanks yeah i mean they were making still a there. lot of beer yeah um so uh it was just a thing before its time i think yeah, I think what what year was that that it finally shut down? It just it was it was ninety eight because when I started with the Benzigers, it was during ninety eight to ninety. We'd be able to go over in the afternoon and have our uh, our one a day, and nice. you know they were bottomless one a days, which was nice. <laughs> right. um, but yeah. bottomless one a days, yeah. just go pick up a bottle of wine. No, no, we go over to the brewery and drink oh, that's beer. Brewery. There you go. Well, I used to live down the street from Anchor Steam. I used to live um, in the Potrero district and. The employees there, when they they would always get the ones that were mislabeled. So if something was labeled upside down, or if something missed a label on the (laughs) bottling line, they could take as much as they wanted. So they'd be walking out with case, two cases, and then you wonder about their motivation for making sure those things come (laughs) out correctly. You know, I worked a lot of (laughs) bottling lines over my career, and. Very rarely were there any bottles that had labels. Yeah, they seem to have a lot (laughs) of them. They've got those machines that put them on pretty straight now, you know? (laughs) I have seen them hand-labeled, and I've seen them a little crooked. So So, uh, how about a little bit about the Grenache Blanc? Grenache Blanc, uh, it was really kind of just filling out our lineup. Um, I can't say that I'm a huge Grenache Blanc fan or a Rhone White fan. I mean, they're, they're, they're nice wines, but they haven't always, like, sang to me. Um, but we wanted to keep with what we were doing with Grenache. Um, so in 2014, I said, I'm going to make two Grenache Blancs. Um, and so we, I, I found some fruit out of Lake County. Uh, and then it just so happens that uh, David and Richard Mounts up in Dry Creek, where I was buying some other some Grenache, uh, had some Grenache Blanc that it was its first fruit. It had been budded over in hmm. 2010 and 2013. 14 was the first year that they were pulling fruit off of it. Um, he knew what my project was, and we'd become pretty good friends. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll sell you a ton of that. So 2014, I had two Grenache Blancs. 
um, that has definitely been a learning experience because I, I know how to make white wine. I mean, I've worked at Cake Bread. We made you know, 200,000 cases of Chardonnay, um, but making Grenache Blanc was, was something new. Nicely done, though. Thank you. It's beautiful. Thank you. Um, the only other one I've had is... Henry Mathis. Mathis. Yeah, right. that's it. It's yeah. Yeah. Bon. And where is the Mount's Vineyard in, in Dry Creek Valley? It's on the west side, um, just up to Rockpile. It's not quite in Rockpile, but it's just almost there. Uh, so past, before the dam? Yes. Yeah. Um, just past Quivera, maybe half a mile. Oh, okay. Past okay. Got it. Um, and he's got a little site in the back of the vineyard. It's an old gravel bed where the creek used to run through. They used to have Viognier there, but they have some really problems with Pierce's disease because the creek still runs over there, but not in that same spot. There's no soil. Um, so he's been trying to figure out what can grow there. And now he's got all this Grenache Blanc, and it's doing and quite it's well. And it's doing well, and there's no Pierce's? There's no Pierce's in it. Um, and I buy some of it, and Idle Sellers buys the rest. Oh, good. Ben, ben and Ari. Yeah. And, uh, Two great guys. So we've been making that. I dropped Lake County, although I really liked it. It um, it was just a little too expensive for coming from Lake County, uh, and we just make the one Grenache Blanc now. And, and I think every year, I, to me, it gets better and better because we've really been able to dial in making Grenache Blanc from you know never making it. Uh, and in that learning curve, we tasted probably every Grenache Blanc available on the West Coast wow. um, and have found our style. And I don't think it really meshes up with anybody else's. A lot can of other can people. you talk a little bit about the winemaking? Uh, absolutely. It's a whole. Uh, we will foot tread it. Try to get a little tannin off of it. Let it sit Wait for a minute. Whose feet? Mine. <laughs> it works. <laughs> it works. I take my boots off. I promise. Um, Remember, Brian. No human pathogens can grow in wine. So there's really nothing to worry about. All right. No, for me, it's about uh, attractiveness. <laughs> my feet are pretty. <laughs> no. Well, you want to hire somebody to do it then, okay, Brian? Angels. Uh, my wife works during the day, so I couldn't get her in. Oh, too bad. Um, so we let it sit on its skins for about an hour, then press it, uh, cold settle it, and I ferment in neutral oak and some stainless steel drums. Uh, really cold, slow fermentation. Um, no mallow. We, we kill mallow as soon as it's dry. Top it up. And but it's still got a nice mouthfeel to it, though. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. It's, I wondered if some of it went through mallow. Because it's just got a nice richness. Yeah, yeah I, I think that actually comes from the barrel, the neutral barrel. I actually end up liking the neutral barrels more than I like the stainless steel drums. Yeah. Um, I also, since I only get maybe seven different fermentation vessels out of it, I end up doing some native. I do some commercial yeast, and I, I've over the years end up doing like five different yeasts and the different uh, vessels, and then a couple native. Um, and been able to, I really like a certain yeast strain and I'm not, I've let it go native a few times and I'm not the biggest fan. So we kind of, we've been able to dial in our style that way. Um, no mallow and then it's bottled in, uh, in the summer. Huh. Well, we've got a whole lot of really good wines on the table, but we have no bubbly and we're just starting to talk about the holidays coming up. You got some got, bubbly somewhere? What, not yet. What do you lead I into? I assume <laughs> that uh, when you are heading over to um, a Thanksgiving party, <laughs> you're going to take some bubbly, you're going to take some white, you're going to take some red. That's the way I'm going to kind of try and split that out. So for me, we usually always bring a bottle of bubbly, yes. Um, Thanksgiving is a great wine um, uh, holiday, yeah, because and, and so many go with yeah, the bread, and you know? you know what? And it's it's always been oh yeah, Gewurz demeanor and Pinot Noir, Gewurz demeanor and Pinot Noir, and I I I 
I would agree with that. But I don't drink a lot of Pinot. So, you know, we always bring something from the Rhone, usually from the Southern Rhone or uh, domestic Grenache-styled wine. Um, white wine, of course. Brian, what do you think we drink around my house for Chenin Blanc with white wine. I'm going to bet a thousand dollars that it's Chenin Blanc. Yeah, yeah. The perfect white wine for Thanksgiving. It is, and that's frankly. from Dane Sellers. Actually, for me, Thanksgiving, I think of um, Zinfandel and Chenin Blanc yeah. are the two wines. That and I think and about I and I also think Zinfandel goes great with uh, Thanksgiving meals. Yes, yeah, turkey stuffing. I mean, all those the the rosemary herbs of Provence, all those things. I think with Zinfandel is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Casey? What do you what what, what is, say what's your Thanksgiving <laughs> yeah, uh, tradition? I think you could probably figure it out by what we make. <laughs> <laughs> well, me too. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're going to be drinking. You see my load over there. Yeah. It's it's Rhone styles. You know that yeah. that's what I like, and that's what's going in. We'll have everything, right? You know, we will too. I mean, our wine selection is usually pretty deep at a, at a Thanksgiving party. Well, and I found some uh, nice Mavedra and nice uh, Spanish Grenache. Thank you. What is this, Brian? Oh, that's uh, the is wine that I'm working on filtering. <laughs> right, it's a, um, it's a Uncle David's Whoa. cellar special, uh, 1971. It's a Cab Cab Franc, and then it's got a Spanish varietal in there too. It's it's from way north eastern Spain, so right up um, close to the French border. So we're talking in Barcelona. the Basque region. Uh, ex- uh, ca- ca- Catalonia. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is this yeah. is holding up great. How, Isn't how, it though? How Hell deep? Yes. How deep was Uncle Dave's cellar, or is Uncle Dave's cellar <laughs> anymore? Yeah, I was. I was telling John. I think, um, you know, we've gone through a, a fair amount of those wines, and I I was just in there yesterday, the day before, and he has a couple Pinots from the early '90s, and then there's a '95 BV Cab. Um, but other than that, I think I've pretty much exhausted it all. And and out of all those wines, being Zinfandel Day yesterday, my favorite wine <clears throat> was the one that I expected the least out of was the 67 David Bruce Zinfandel, hmm. which I thought, oh, you know, and I grew up here. I'm thinking, oh, who, who really made Zinfandel to cellar? Like, who would think that you would do that? But it, it was the most surprising wine that we had out of all the wines that we tried That's because it, the, the quality and the, the life, it was just so impressive. Do you think it might have been a vintage thing? It was a cool, cooler year? I or? don't know. Or some people have told me that they just think David Bruce, the fact that he made it, that the style that he made it, um, maybe it was, is the reason that, um, that it cellared so well. But I don't know. It was... Well, amazing. you've cellared well. This is one year older than you or one year well, younger? 71, so this... This was bottled when I was a year old. Yeah, you're both holding up quite well. <laughs> hey, thank you. <laughs> it's, it's actually really good wine. I'm very impressed. Yeah, I, I actually brought that over only for you because I thought you might actually like. It. I'll pour some for you guys too. But I, I thought, oh, John's got to try this because normally we open up this. Casey, if you haven't been on the show, we've opened up some of these older wines, and oh, so we I'm never trying. pay for them. We're, we try not to be snobs here. We're not opening up a, you know, a '49 sure. Pot Rocher like James Bond. Um, we just Too bad, this My uncle had access to this cellar because he's an exterminator, and the you know the people passed away, and, and he had access to these wines. So we've been bringing them in slowly, um, but for the most part, John likes his um, nicely fruit extracted wines. 
um, he's not a big not a big fan of the aged wine. So for the most part, when we open up something old, he says it tastes. Like, he doesn't say it tastes like shit. But for the most no, part, he's, no. he says it tastes like shit. So <laughs> I that, thought that old bilge water you get from old old wines. <laughs> yeah, John's not a fan of mushrooms or forest floor or wet leaves. Uh, but this actually held up really well, which is surprising me. That's a, a Taurus. You know, I think I don't think it's made to cellar for a long time. Sure. But, um, but yeah. it certainly held up well. No, no, it tastes pretty good. Yeah, it does. Hey, Casey, so I have another question about your label. As I look at it here, there's some common uh, thread and there's some uncommon thread. Is there anything you want to explain about it? Or Well, we des- I design them every year. Uh, it really started, uh, it's kind of our backstory. My grandfather, who shares my initials, C.R. Graybell. We don't share the same name, but we're both C.R. Graybells. He was the dean of Torrance High in Los Angeles County for... 35 years uh and so that's his signature is on my bottle um that stamp has probably seen millions of documents that's what he stamped everything that oh, it, through his school you're kidding yeah. so awesome. when i was able to to finally have our own label i'm like i'm using my grandpa's name he was a great man to start with i mean an incredible me. man um so i i got a stamp uh and that is our logo which we're cr graybell wine company um and then when we were making wines out of our garage, the first vintage was 2006, um, and I had that wine bottled for maybe four years, and I just couldn't come up with an idea for a label. So one day I was in uh, Portland sitting at an airport, and I can remember this story like as yesterday because it, it feels like it was. I was actually reading a James Mitchner novel. It was uh, um, the one about the hippies living in Spain, um, The Wanderers, hmm. and I... I just opened up the back. It was a great book. I opened up the back, and I sketched this little guy standing there. And he was, this is the first label. Uh, he was, like, releasing this package, which was kind of, a, it was in a sad time of my life, you know? So it was, like, the lifting of our heavy burdens. And I was like, that's it. So that was our first label. And it was a, the same little guy that we have on there, different drawing. And he was releasing, the little bird was flying away with his problems. And I was like, well, that's, that's great. And so... Every year since then, we've designed something else that's important to us in that vintage. Um, and our little, little guys standing there doing whatever we think, you know, we, we draw for that year. Um, that's well, awesome. I, I love the rosé. I like it. It's got the little, and the living is easy. I assume that's from that song, Summertime. It is. It's mm-hmm. summertime. From uh, Ella Fitzgerald. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. It's an old movie. Yeah. And, and then that, uh, yeah. we come up with a little saying that kind of goes with it. So uh, if, if if you guys are you guys can't see at home, but uh, we have a few labels here. We'll put pictures on the uh, Facebook page yeah. if anyone wants to see the labels. Yeah. And funny that your grandfather was your inspiration, but I don't think he was a big wine he drinker. Was, he was a gimlet drinker. He, he was a booze guy. Um, right. He, he he enjoyed life though, and and mm-hmm. that's what I kind of took away from him. Anyways, I, he, there were eight of us as grandchildren. That's and, an awesome story. Awesome and he, he was just a great man, and he loved life. So I always thought, even though he wasn't a wine drinker, I think of him holding that wine glass so up, cheersing years, everybody. I have to think about this. What years was he the principal in Torrance? Uh, it had to have been, and I, I don't know off the top of my head, but what just by that? his age, it would have been like 1950 to yeah. 1980. I mean, is that what? Southern? Where's Torrance? Is that Southern California? Southern California, yeah. Los, Angeles okay. County. Los Angeles County. I'm thinking like Fast I mean, Times, think Richmond High. Kind of. Well, remember Beverly's nine, Beverly Hills 9210? Yeah, yeah. That's Torrance High. No way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that picture now that you I see, can of see. Torrance there you go. Okay. And it's just Good picture. east of uh, Palos Verdes. 
And I think I've seen a picture of him. He's got kind of like the, the the crew cut. He's got the you he, know the short hair, nice a, and tight. He was a big man. Um, right. He played uh, for Army. He went to USC. Wow. Uh, he was a football player, and he was not only was he the dean, but he was the football coach for another twenty years. And then after that, he wow. was a uh, high school um, ref for football for another like fifteen huh. years. Wow. So cool. Uh, it, it, his funeral had about 600 people. So he, well, yeah. wow. cheers, yeah. you know, seriously. He, he was a great man, and I'm happy to, to make something with his name on it. It just so happens to be my name. It's also my daughter's initials, so she carries it on. And what's her name? Perfect. Her name is Charlie Rue Graybell. Nice. So my wife told me I can never sell this label now that we named her after it. <laughs> oh, no, you don't want to do that. <laughs> That's exactly right. Oh. Well, it's like Kieran uh, Robinson, where he's labeled his all Philadelphia terms. Yawn. Yeah. It's just a... The John, the John, the John, the John, and and level uh, seven hundred, which was after the club the, uh, level the, at the at the ballpark, the, the, the or top something. level with all the, the um, yeah, and then the he's got makers. a street stop uh, from the yeah. from the their, R5, their R5 is their yeah. uh, uh, very terminal. cool. Yeah. yeah, no, it's very thoughtful. Very thoughtful. Yeah. Well, the problem is, is one of these days we're going to run out of ideas, and then it's like, what do we do from there? But we'll we'll cross that bridge when we well, get to it. Well, you know, and you'll be your daughter's problem. <laughs> right? You're working with Peter. And, and, Look and, at his and label. She'll sell the label. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Speaking of which, though, what is the plan going forward? So at this point, you know, you got the rosé, you got the Grenache Blanc, you got a couple different um, vineyard sources for the Grenache, so you can do a winemaker dinner, which is nice. Yeah. Um, um, but what's the plan going forward? You just looking to maybe keep stepping up on on fruit you want to maybe get a long-term contract with a grenache grower maybe purchase a vineyard maybe i don't know what. yeah that all sounds great right. <laughs> right. yes to all yeah right. um i mean basically what we're doing is just slow and steady growth uh it is not our full-time gig yet i think ultimately that's what we'd like to do is that uh, you know you work for yourself and and um be able to just do that right now it's not fair um, yeah. But we're working towards it, and yes, we would like to expand out vineyards, and we find find the right sites, and we'll we'll add more vineyards to to this, um, and slow and steady growth. Yeah, and and um, do you have a distributor, or are you doing all this yourself? We have a few distributors and brokers around, um, but most of it's me and my wife. Uh, my wife is the cheese buyer for Whole Foods, and so she's able to she got it into in the Whole Foods, and that's that's no. Uh, easy task right so a lot of our production goes through that chain um which is actually really nice we we do, do pretty brisk business oh now them. you're owned by amazon too so we're not owned by anybody well, <laughs> but you know with amazon moving in um i noticed they just dropped prices again for thanksgiving week coming up yeah. um everything's going to be a little little different little we're lower. actually on the nervous side on that end because a lot of the other it's all regional for whole foods so we're, course, we're afraid yeah. they might go to some of the larger distributors and, and that's like Southern California, Whole Foods is distributor only um, versus Northern California, which they'll take any, but they'll take small guys and stuff. Right. You just have to go through the process. But they're here. They're here. So that, take exactly. advantage of it. You could, you could be here for the next 20 years with those guys Absolutely. and just do nothing but grow your yeah. business. Yeah, and I saw your wine in, uh, I think I saw the Grenache in the Rhone room. We're in, uh, we're in, in both, Sonoma. both the Grenache and the Grenache Blanc. Um, just started selling there in October. And, uh, How's it doing there? Doing pretty well. And we finally gotten the girl in the fig, which we're really happy about. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so Our we are sell Sandra. selling the Grenache Blanc at the girl in the fig. Cool. Congratulations. 
Yeah, a true congrats. Yeah, we were pounded on that door for many years. <laughs> well, but that makes it a good relationship because if you go in and they buy instantaneously, I think they'll leave instantaneously too. Yeah. I mean, I always found that with clients in the ad agency business, I can tell you that. Yeah, you know, you know it's, it's funny, real I, easy. Yeah, I can think about some accounts that I've gotten and... You know, you go in and they buy in and you give them a good price and you think, oh, I'm good. I'm, I'm, um, I'm here, know, baby. And, and you go in and you support them and and then that's it. They do a run and then they're on to somebody else. And unfortunately, I think that's just the style of some buyers now. They always want to keep the list fresh. And right. so they give you a run and then you move on to something else. And yeah. so, you, you know, um, so I've, I've definitely learned from that. Long-term know. relationships, the longer it takes to get it together... The longer it takes to yeah. fall apart, yeah. that's for darn sure. Well, so. I, I think Grenache is still kind of an outlier there on, the, on sitting on the shelf. Absolutely. Um, so it, it, it's you have to you have to know your clientele, and, and that we're still working on that. We're well, I think that's changing though, and I think Sam would say the same thing that Grenache is on the way up, and I think oh, there's yeah. more and more people that are interested in Grenache, and Syrah is on the way back as well. Yeah. Um, that people are, and especially millennials, they're experimenting with the varietals that you know their parents didn't drink. They're they're they'll drink Pinot Chard and Cab, but they're interested in stretching stretching out a little bit and trying some new things and Grenache is getting uh, planted over some some pretty good vineyards it sure is um, so I think you got a got a bright future thanks yeah. well yeah. And I mean I mean at Lasseter we t-budded Cabernet over right that's one of Grenache, my favorite yeah. stories you know? <laughs> and and not a small amount well and, and right. I went to Cal Poly so seeing Paso Robles change like that I mean oh. when we go to there we go to the the wine fest in, in April and it would be like these huge Barberas and Zins that were right. too ripe and Cab and Merlot. And, well, and like, those are still there. They're still there, <laughs> but those are getting planted over as well. Yeah. And that's kind of, to me, it blows my mind because we used to go down there and go, you know, what? this just doesn't fit here. These right. aren't the white, right varietals for right. this area. Um, and I think a lot of the other people obviously were thinking the same thing. They were just right. trying to find what grows there. Yeah. Um, and probably yeah. the, the Haas family uh, definitely helped Absolutely. that movement yeah. go through. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. So, Casey, how does everybody get a hold of you? Uh, well, our website, you can contact me, and I'll answer your email, just as it, it says on there. If you, if you write me a letter, I'll, I'll get you back. Um, and you spell your last name G-R-A-Y-B-E-H-L. That is correct. And so your website is? It's actually Grenachista.com, but if you type in, if you Google C.R. Graybell. Uh, you have Grenachista.com. See, you got that site, huh? He has that Instagram yeah. account as well. <laughs> My Instagram site is the Grenachista. Uh, he copped it before anybody else could, see? Right. We have it copyrighted. Um, <laughs> and we're actually thinking about That's maybe perfect. changing our label over. We're bouncing that around and just going to the Grenachista since we own it. But we're we're th Ooh, that has to go through know. the committee. I don't, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and there are a lot of people the using you that. Just told right. Us, right, right, right. But it's the edgy thing. It's that whole millennial thing. And I mean, marketing <laughs> is marketing, right? Right. So um, it's uh, you got to own it, right? Yeah. And go I have seen a lot of people drinking his wine on my Instagram account. I think uh, Tupac was drinking some right, Grenache. Right. I think uh, really. There oh yeah, go. he's yeah. got some. If it, what is your Instagram account so people can follow you? It's actually the Grenache, pe, uh, the period Grenacheista, um, and I have a lot of fun with uh, Photoshop. So it's, it, you can see a lot of cool people drinking Grenache. Right? No, it's actually one of my coolest accounts that I follow, and I. Oh, I encourage so you're you the to Photoshop guy. I'm the Photoshop guy. In fact, <laughs> okay. I don't, I'm going to blow my secret here, but I had such fun making it this morning because um, we're coming on the radio. I found this awesome picture of Frank Zappa. And uh, I photoshopped him drinking some rosé, and I was like, nice. radio show. <laughs> Not nice. a problem. 200 motels <laughs> right here, baby. So, Okay, I want to make sure that we get this straight again. So website? 
Website is www.grenachista.com. Um, okay. Or you can just Google us, Dr. Graybell. Okay. Uh, we'll pop right up. Um, yeah, and our email, our contacts on there. Uh, our Instagram is the Grenachista. Uh, and we'll get it all out now because that's if, what you want. And if you want wine, you call us, and me and my wife will ship it out that day. Well, and I like how Peter puts, I grew it, I made it, right. I sold yeah. it, I drink it, I drink right. it, and it's all on his, on his cork. Yep. So you sit there with the 800 number, and yes, you can call Peter and you can order. That's, that's one of the smarter things. The next thing we're going to do is we're going to get Casey to drop the foil. And just go with good. Uh, the naked. Yeah, the, the naked I one. love the naked look. Come you know what? That's unfortunate. This on. is a funny story here is that okay. uh, I had a good friend that owns this ranch up in Paso Robles or down in Paso Robles. It's a foil ranch. It's right next to uh, <laughs> like a dental floss. Peachy ranch. Canyon, right? <laughs> I want to be a, a dental floss cowboy. That's right. Um, it's right next to Peachy Canyon, and uh, he collects. He's good friends with the family, so like anything they throw away, he goes and stuffs in his barn. He's kind of a hoarder, anyways. And so uh, he said, "Hey, I got these foils. You want these foils?" I said, "Well, let me take a look at them." And they were these really nice custom blue foils. And I, I said, "Actually, I really like that color." I, I took them home. I took all like eight boxes he had. I took them home, and I used those for years. Um, and then I ran out, and I was just stuck on that color and it's a custom foil so i went to all the people all the distributors i know that make foils and i ended up having them custom make this foil um same color Ooh, that how many thousand four thousand lots yeah. so until they're gone i'm using them unless they're going to somebody else who likes that blue color well it's go, got my logo on the top oh, too yeah, yeah. so I'm, nothing I'm you can do yeah hey john can i make a recommendation please so you got the holidays coming up um I would rec- what I would recommend as far as purchasing wine for your Thanksgiving or Christmas table is you've got two guys in front of us right now that make four different varietals. I would I would go to Casey's site and pick up three rosé, three Grenache Blanc, and three of each Grenache from different vineyard sites. And then I would go to Bart's site at danesellers.com, pick up three Chenin Blanc, Three cabs. Three no, we're sold out of cabs. No, so we ended up to switch it. So four, Gr- four Chenin Grenache, four Grenache, and four Zin. There you go. Could I do that? That's a nice. Case. I would totally second that. And then, and then, what you do is you get them home. You drink the person who bought them. You drink a bottle of each and decide which one is your favorite. And you keep those ones for yourself. <laughs> and then I thought you were going to say you no, take those. No, no, no. You keep those for yourself. And then the other ones are your Christmas gifts that you give away to people or the, the wine that you pour for people when they come over for dinner at your house. Now, do you see those big cases <laughs> by the door? Because uh, yeah. th- those are for UPS guys, mail guys, just et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know? yeah. Spanish Grenache. So. Yeah. There you go. But I mean, it these is. guys will send yeah, them right to you. Great holidays. You know, no, that's a I, great suggestion. Well, no, I love, seriously. You're talking to two it. guys who actually make the wine from start to finish. So why go to Beverages and More or Safeway or wherever you're going to buy the wine? Why not get it from the guy who's making the wine? Thank you. Yeah. That's the idea. Yeah. So Dane Sellers, 
Everybody knows how to get in touch with you, right? Yeah, but we'll say it again. DaneSellers.com. And if you haven't had that Chenin Blanc, O-M-G. Yeah, and I really do like your Grenache as well. Oh, yeah. Double gold. Double gold. Right? I was a little jealous. And thank you. Well, you know what? To be quite honest, it has a little bit of Syrah in it. So I know. I know. I wasn't going to say anything, but after your heartfelt. Full disclosure. Well, hey, guys. Have a wonderful holiday. We will obviously come back with part two with Kieran Robinson from last week. Kieran who? Robinson. Oh, how quickly we forget. Yes. Who was, uh, who was sort of along same lines as Sam. I think Sam was in New York and Philly. He's and in Philly Kieran, now. Kieran was right. in Philly doing some winemaker dinners. So And, and um, Sam was throwing out that, yeah, I, I could probably get you into a Grateful Dead show. Oh, Sam never offers to get tickets. <laughs> <laughs> People always ask him for tickets. He never offers. Well, you know what? You just have to ask. That's yeah. it. Yeah, just have to be bold. All right. So, well, once again, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for helping us do so well. Thank you. We John. love doing this show, man. It's absolutely a blast. And so, Casey, thank you for being a great guest. Yeah, thanks. Much Casey. appreciated. And uh, we'll be back with um, well, the winemakers next week and continue. And if you have any questions, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, enjoy yeah. the holidays, guys, and we'll talk to you next Friday. Thanks, John.